Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Well, we're going to start out this morning, and look, y'all are going to think I've absolutely lost my mind with what I'm about to invite you to do. This is gonna sound so far-fetched and so far out of left field, but I hope you will just be patient just long enough to understand what we're trying to set, the stage that I'm trying to set so that you will understand um, where we're going this morning. So I'm going to extend an imaginary invitation to you, okay? You have to use your imagination with what we're about to do, all right? I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, run around, anything like that. It's just in your mind, you can participate right where you're sitting, okay? So I'm gonna extend an invitation in just a moment for you to do several things. However, there's some things that you have to do in your mind beforehand, okay? First, I want you to exclude the thought of the law of our land. Exclude the law. I want you to step outside of moral and religious regulations. I want you to step outside of that. I want you to imagine, now listen, I'm not being a heretic, I promise. I want you to imagine just for the next three minutes, just to try to envision that you're not even a follower of Jesus Christ. That you're just a body, you just exist. And after I extend this invitation, I also want you to know, no matter your response to this invitation, there will be no consequences for what you choose to do, okay? You following me? I know that sounds nuts, but you're gonna understand in just a minute, okay? So what I wanna invite you to do first is I want to invite you, again, this is just pretend, don't do it. I want you to take something from the person beside you that doesn't belong to you. And not tell them. You just take them. It's yours. All right, look. And I even see some of you reaching across. Stop. I said here. All right? If y'all are actively doing this, the altar better be full at the end of today's message. I mean, I'm seeing people do all kinds of junk already. And y'all don't even look guilty. Man, maybe we just need to start out in prayer for y'all. I know, I know. Next thing I want you to do, now husbands, this will be easy for you in your mind, so look, I'm just trying to save you the headache. I want you to make up a lie about the person sitting beside you that will absolutely destroy them. Make up a lie about them. Look at the Clevelands over here. They are eyeing each other. That must be something they actively do. (laughs) Next thing I want you to do is I want to invite you to have a relationship outside your marriage. Next thing I want to ask you to do is if somebody ticks you off this afternoon on the way home, just take their life. Simple enough, right? 
So with all of these invitations that have been extended, I pray to the good Lord above. Number one, at worst, you're sitting there wrestling with the decision. At worst. But hopefully, you're sitting there going, absolutely no way am I gonna participate in any of that. And so if your answer is no, I'm not gonna participate that in that, I wanna ask you the question, why not? Why not? Remember, we put a lot of things in place. There's no law of the land. There's no religious regulations. There's no consequences for what you do. So why in the world would you not? And that is a question that we have to answer. And, and I can guarantee you, if we sent a survey around the room and you filled out a form and, and you asked, answered that question on that form as to why would you not do it, it would probably sound something similar to the fact it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Which poses another question. Why is it wrong? Why is what we're extending, the invitation that we're offering, why and what declares it as wrong? I wanna explain to you why in your heart of hearts, deep down within, you know it's wrong. You know why you know it's wrong? because God loves you. You know it's wrong because God loves you. And I know you're going, what in the world? Does me thinking something's wrong? What does that gotta do with God loving me? It has everything to do with God loving you because the fact that you're wrestling with this decision is evidence that this is the very way that creator God created you. It's the very way that creator God created you. It is the way he wired you. And I know that may not make sense to you. It may not make sense to some of us. But I want you to understand this morning that, that God has placed it on all of our hearts that there is a difference between right and wrong. Listen, whether you believe in him or not. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter two. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there. We're not gonna stay here, but I want you to make this point before we get into what we're gonna be talking about today. Romans chapter two, verse 14 and 15. I know some of you are still turning there, but it'll be on the screen, but I'm gonna go ahead and read it for the sake of time. Verse 14 Paul's writing this, and he says, so when Gentiles, now understand the Gentiles are those who are far away from God, those who don't have a relationship with God, and those who are not Jews, so they have no law to answer. So when the Gentiles, who do not by nature have the law, do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves, even they, they do not have a law. Then look at verse 15. They show the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their conscience confirms this. Their competing thoughts either accuse them or even excuse them. So what I want you to understand that as these Gentiles are apart from God, according to what we see in the truth of God's word, the law is on their hearts. You are born with a taste of the truth wired to your heart. And this is what Paul references as your conscience. And the conscience is the moral compass that is seared on your heart. 
And as we realize that this is the way God has made us, that this is the way that God has created every human being on the planet, we need to realize what a gift from God even your conscience is. And so the reason that we say that it is placed on your heart, it is seared on your heart, it is wired in your heart from the perspective that God loves you is because he knows that he's even put this in your heart because he loves every created being that's his. And he knows that if he wires you with a conscience, that if we will press into it and listen to it and surrender to it, then it is there for our protection to protect us from disaster and devastation. I told you the book that we had read that kind of this sermon series was birthed from was from um, The Kingdom Values by Tony Evans. And Tony Evans says this, there are certain things that gnaw at a person's internal compass because God has built the truth in all of us. But you see, the problem is, is when his creation, when human beings when we suppress this conviction, when we suppress our conscience, we also know that the more we suppress it, the more we push it down, the more numb we come to it. Think about working out. I think about one of the worst things in the world to do is pull-ups. And one of the reasons you hate doing pull-ups is because when you first start, it absolutely wears your hands out. It hurts. It's painful. But after you continue to do them over and over and over again, your hands become harder, the calluses are formed, and what used to hurt doesn't hurt anymore. What we used to wrestle with, we don't wrestle anymore. And what we have to understand that unless we're dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, then we have the ability, because of our human nature, to suppress the gift from God that is called our conscience. And this is where we gotta be careful. We've got to be careful not to suppress the truth that God has placed in every created being. Tony Evans goes on to say that the conscience started as a gift from God to serve as a regulator for your human heart. The gift was given to everyone. And so if this is the way God has created his creation, with this taste of truth called the conscience on our heart, then you best believe we ought to understand what Satan's goal is. Satan's goal is to do anything he can to oppose the created beings that God has created. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Verses 12 through 14. This is still not where we're going today. I'm just sort of setting the stage for where we're going so you'll understand in just a minute. I want you to know what the enemy's attack is, what his plan is, what his strategy is, what his X's and O's are for all the coaches in the room. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens. This is talking about Satan himself. You destroyer of the nations. You have been cut down to the ground and you said to yourself, I will ascend to heavens. Now this is Satan himself talking. This is the enemy. I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne 
above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. In verse 14, I will ascend above the highest clouds and I will make myself like the most high. Do you see what Satan's plan of attack is? He wants to establish a kingdom here on earth that opposes God's truth. It's that simple. The enemy wants to establish a kingdom here on earth that opposes God's truth. He wants to disrupt the harmony between God and his creation. And what we're gonna see today is the beginning of that process. Because you know, as a coach, not in high school, it's against the law, but the greatest thing you have to do is recruit. You have to recruit to get people on your team so that your team succeeds. And what we have to understand is this is the very scheme of Satan himself is to recruit individuals, to recruit God's creation to be on his team to oppose the law and the truth of God. And that is what the enemy is actively doing every single day. He's in the recruiting process. He's in the recruiting process to build a team that will oppose God. It's that simple. And so now, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter two. This is where we're gonna be. Genesis chapter two. And we go ahead and see this is a passage that all of us know, and I've honestly referenced it probably two or three times the last few times we've preached. So you're probably thinking, does he not got anywhere else to go? Well, I just keep going where the Lord leads us, so y'all take that up with him, all right? Genesis chapter two, verses 16 through 17. This will introduce what we're about to get ourselves into. Chapter two, verse 16 and 17, and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So just like we talked about last week, here's the truth. God has set the standard. God has put the law in place. And remember, as we shared last week, God has set the standard not to control, but God has set the standard because he loves Adam, because he wanted intimacy with Adam, because he knew outside of his standard that the relationship would be severed. And because God loves Adam, he set the standard for Adam to abide by so that their relationship could stay one. And then, lo and behold, he gives him another blessing. A wife. That's where y'all are all supposed to go, oh. Chelsea, you didn't even hear that. I was trying to, she wasn't even paying attention. <sighs> Jeez Louise. He gave the biggest blessing to Adam, which was a wife. There we go, good. Y'all getting better. And so here we are. This garden has been created. God has created Adam. He's given him a wife. And here they are in the garden, in perfection, in perfect harmony, exactly the way that God has created them to be. And then all of a sudden, the serpent shows up. All of a sudden, the serpent shows up on the, on the scene. And before we read what took place when he showed up, I want to reemphasize this. 
Remember, God has just set the standard. God has just set the law. And under no circumstances, Adam, are you to eat of that one tree. But one thing that we don't ever catch, you realize that God said, hey, Adam, look, any tree, you can eat from anything. Look at all these blessings I've given you, Adam. I've given you so much, but the only thing I'm gonna ask is that you don't eat of that one. That you don't eat of that one. And all of a sudden we see the sinful nature that is exposed in every human being. I want you to look at the screen at this very short clip that will help us understand this. And some of you are gonna relate to this. Truth. You can have fruit snacks, but you can't have them right now, okay? You gotta wait. You gotta wait until mommy and daddy come back, okay? You can't eat these yet. You gotta wait until we come back. I'm gonna leave them right here. Don't touch them. Wait, okay? We're gonna come back. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just go, just wait a second. you get the picture. That's the way that every one of us are born, with this rebellious spirit. Don't you dare tell me not to do something, because it somehow lights a fire in me that that is what I want to do. That's the fleshly nature that we are born with as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. This is how we're made. This is how we're made. They wrestled. Those little ones even wrestled. And however old that is, they looked at each other. There's a conscience even in their little hearts. They knew, I know I'm not supposed to touch that, but you saw how excited he got when he did. That's the way we're all created. So we've all dealt with this rebellious spirit. And now look at Genesis chapter three. We see how the enemy begins to entertain that rebellious spirit. Verse three, or chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Then verse two, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden But about that fruit on that tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat or touch it or you will die. The one thing I don't want us to skip past is how the serpent, how Satan, how the enemy was described. The Bible says that he was cunning. Some of your Bibles may say crafty. If you were to expand that definition, it literally means that Satan is subtle, that Satan is sneaky, that Satan is manipulative. And what we see is that the fall of man began with one subtle question. One subtle 
question. Remember, they could eat from any tree, but not the one. And Eve even responded to the question. What did Eve say to the serpent? We can eat of any tree, but for that one, God said no. So all of a sudden, we see exactly what we read about in Romans just a moment ago. The conscience is on her heart. The law is on her heart. She knows the difference between right and wrong. And now we see this internal battle. We see what her flesh wanted to do. We know what it was telling her to do in her heart. But all of a sudden, this wrestling match began, and it caused her to hesitate. It caused her to pause. And honestly, it just caused her to turn her ear to see what the enemy had to say to see what the enemy had to say. And so very clearly we see right here in the word of God that the very way that Satan attacks the truth is by question. Satan attacks the truth of God's word by a question. Because he knows if he can get us to question the truth of God's word, then there's a chance for our fall. If he can just simply get us to compromise the law of God, if he can simply get us to compromise the law, the standard that God has put into place, then he knows there's a chance for chaos. He knows there's a chance for confusion. He knows there's a chance for heartache. If I can just get them to question, if I can just get them to question the validity of what God said, and that's all he says. Is that really what God said? Is that really what God said? Did God really say that you just can't eat of that one tree or you'll die? And as we shared just a moment ago, y'all realize this is the first attempt at the recruiting process to establish his kingdom to oppose God. He's already enticing. He's already inviting. He's already luring God's creation away from the intimacy with him that they were created to have. He's doing it in a very crafty way, a very sneaky way. And if we were to just pause for just a minute and think about the condition of our world do you not realize that Satan's working the very same way today? He hasn't changed his plan. He hasn't changed his plan of attack. He just simply wants you and I to question and to compromise the God standard that has been put into place. But remember, don't ever forget, God established his standard not to control us, but because he loves us. He knows that anything we search for outside of his law, outside of his rule, it leads to confusion, it leads to chaos, and I would venture to say it leads to suicide, and it leads to addiction, it leads to everything else, because we're never going to find outside of God's standard what he provides when we are walking with him. And so we see that the enemy just wants us to question that truth. Some of the current questions we hear. Did God really just create a man and a woman? Did God, did he really say that we have to be faithful to our spouse? 
Did he really say that marriage is just for a man and a woman? Did he really say not to take the life of another human being, whether they're in the womb or out of the womb? Did he really say that Jesus is the only way to him? The answer to all of those questions, according to the truth and the standard of God's word, is an absolute yes. That is what the authority of God's word says. And as a child of God, we are called not to question or to compromise his word, but to surrender to it and obey it because the Father loves us. Because he loves us. He loves every person that's involved in every question that was just asked. He loves the unborn child that's in the mother's womb. But don't you forget, he also loves the mother who's wrestling with ending that child's life. And he knows what's coming if they step outside of the standard of don't take their life. He knows the heartache that's coming. He knows the hopelessness they will find. He knows the regret they will walk in. And that's why the standard has been put in place because he loves that mom as much as he loves the child. God's law is because God loves. But all the enemy wants us to do is to question. His truth has been established, listen, to protect the heart and soul of his creation. You probably need to write that down, that the law and God's standard has been set to protect the heart and the soul of his creation. Because we were created to be a worshiper of him, to be intimate with him, to be in relationship with him. But once we begin to question, once we begin to look for truth outside of his standard, it's when we're introduced to chaos, to confusion and heartache. And God loves his creation too much that this is not what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to walk in confusion. You know, I get to thinking I often pray that God will give me his eyes to see the way he sees. You know, when we hear people taking a stance that opposes God's truth, our flesh gets angry, we get frustrated. But what I challenge you, what I encourage you is ask God to allow you to see them the way he sees them. Guess what? Listen to me. Here's a newsflash. He loves them as much as he loves you. Jesus died on the cross for them the same way he died for you. But just like we taught last week, are we as children of God gonna love a sinner back to the foot of the cross? Are we gonna love them back to the foot of the cross? But you see, God's desire, here's the heart of God. This is what blows my mind. The heart of God, when the enemy gets us to question truth, when the enemy tempts us, because listen to me, don't think that you're beyond Satan's temptation. Every child of God, you're exposed to the temptations of the enemy every single day. 
But the heart of God that when we face temptation, when we face the question of truth, what is your response? The Father loves us so much that you know what he wants your response to be. The reason he allows us to face temptation, the reason that he allows us to hear these questions, because he wants his children to come running to him. God, I need you to be my truth. God, I need you to be my refuge. God, I need you to be my strong tower because I don't understand all this. I can't make sense of this. And God, even when I can't make sense of it, I'm gonna choose today that I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust your commandments. I'm gonna trust your law. God, I'm gonna trust the standard that you put in place. And you see the very thing that the enemy means for evil, God wants to use it for good. That's what Joseph talks about in Genesis chapter 50. We read that and it said, you planned evil against me. If you remember, his brothers were trying to kill him. They were trying to slave him off. They were trying to murder all the stuff that they were trying to do for him. But he says, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result. You know what the present result was? The survival of many people. The survival of many people. And so as a human being, we are cursed with this sin nature as a result of Adam and Eve's fall. The enemy uses this temptation to lure us away, to lead to destruction, but God simply wants us to turn to him in weakness. He wants us to turn to him as refuge and strength. And so as the enemy wants to use temptation for evil, as the enemy wants to use question for evil, if we will just simply turn to God, you're gonna experience a love and an intimacy that you've never felt before. So what the enemy wants to do to lure you away, God allows it to take place so that you will run to him. So that you will run to him. And then as you run to him, and for lack of better words, you find what you're looking for, you're gonna fall in deeper and deeper love with the God who created you because you begin to discover how much he loves you. You're gonna fall deeper in love with him because you're gonna begin to understand how much he loves you. What the enemy means for evil, God wants to use it for good. And so listen to me when I say this. Here's one of the biggest misconceptions of a relationship with Jesus. The temptation may never go away. Did you hear me? The temptation that you wrestle and you struggle with, it may never go away. However, we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God to remove it. We're gonna ask God to do the miraculous. But what you have to understand is that while the temptation may not be removed, he will always be your strength as you face it. That's what he's wanting to teach you as his children. That's what he wants you to know as his creation. And what Joseph said, that even what the enemy meant for evil actually brought survival. When you look at the word survival and you break it down, survival literally means it delivers life, 
Those who are alive remain alive. But listen to this. But it also brings restoration. It also brings the ability for someone to be restored. But sadly enough, Eve in the garden, along with Adam, being a cowardly man, she suppressed the truth. She suppressed God's standard just enough that it caused her to look one more time. And when she questioned, the enemy just turned it up. He just poured it on a little heavier. Did he really say that? Then he went on to combat what God said. Uh, no, you won't die. Then he goes on in so many words, says, here's what he really meant. See what happened? Once she left the door opened, the enemy took it and he ran with it. And instead of her running to God in the face of a question, she took one more look. You always know that it's the second look that gets you, right? It's always when you turn that head a second time, you're in trouble. Look at verse six. Genesis chapter three, verse six. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. I want us to stop right there. There was really no point in reading anything else. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. You know, we've all read these verses probably our entire life. And I remember that I was, I was reading this past week at the camper, just me and the Lord. I came across this passage and I was like, God, what? I've, I've never paid attention to what's actually being said. She saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And the Holy Spirit would not let me get past that sentence or that half a sentence, whatever. And so I literally got on the floor and I was like, God, you've got to, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to see? God, what is it that this means? And he just brought me back to the fact that she saw it was good for food. And what the Holy Spirit of God revealed to me in that moment is Eve herself is just like you and I. She knew what she was looking at had the ability to satisfy a physical hunger. It had the ability to satisfy something that her flesh desired. And yes, while it was good for her physical being, while it was good for her appetite, the very thing that was good for her flesh was destructive in her relationship with God. The very thing that was good for her flesh destroyed her intimacy with God and not to mention with just God, but with all of mankind. So while it was delightful to look at, it looked good. It was probably gonna taste good. 
But what we have to understand is the very thing that was good for her flesh was the very thing that brought devastation in her relationship with her father. The one who loved her, the one who created her. And so immediately when I hear this, when, when the Lord laid this on my heart, I couldn't help but to go to something else Paul says in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians. No, I'm sorry, actually it is 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is a verse that many of you know. He says in chapter 10, verse 23, to the church at Corinth, he says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. And yes, listen to me, as a child of God, You were protected and you were blanketed with the grace of God. So forgiveness is always yours. It's always yours. But the question that we have to ask is, even though I'm, I'm protected by God's grace, If I accept this invitation that I'm being tempted with, if I'm lured away, will this help or hurt my relationship with my father? With what I'm being lured away with, would it help or hurt the relationship with my family members? While it's permissible, we live under grace. We live in forgiveness. But while it's permissible, it's not always profitable. And the very thing that looks good to our flesh can bring devastation and destruction between your relationship with God and others. And can I tell you, we better be careful. We better be careful. Satan paints a pretty picture but he never reveals the danger. If I were to ask all of you to take out a piece of paper and draw a picture of Satan, it'd probably have some horns, some pitchforks, some demonic looks, just disgusting, something that's awful. I wanna make something very clear to you. Ezekiel chapter 28 gives a clear picture of what the prince of Tyre, who is Satan, what he looks like. And I don't have to go into the details, but Ezekiel chapter 28 said he was beautiful. So according to Ezekiel 28, he's beautiful. According to Genesis chapter three, he's sneaky. And according to John chapter eight, he's a liar. When you combine beauty, sneaky, and a liar, you better be careful. It doesn't end so well. It doesn't end so well. And I can honestly say that my heart breaks for the same thing Paul's heart breaks for. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, 
But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve, by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I want you to hear loud and clear. His truth is not circumstantial. God's truth is God's truth. There's no exceptions. That's not Brian's opinion. That's the truth of what the word of God says. And church, this is our standard. When you're driven to question, run to him. When you're driven to question, run to the Father. God established his truth to clear up all the questions. And I'm very careful because I don't want to give you a misinterpretation of of who maybe God has around you in your circles. But if you go and you read verses 13 through 15 of that same chapter in 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about the instruments that Satan uses as people. And what you have to understand is that there's people in your life that are Satan's possession that he is using to manipulate you, to lure you away from the truth of God's word. And I know in your mind, you were like, well, Brian, what do I do with them? Number one, you run to the Lord first. You run to him. And you keep loving them. You keep loving them. Because that's what the Father did for you. Even when you opposed him, he kept loving you. And I know in your mind, you may be wondering, well, Brian, is there hope for them? You just said they're possessed by the devil. No, I didn't. I said they're his possession, which I guess you could say is the same thing. The enemy's using them. So Brian, is there hope for them? You've heard the story of Paul, hadn't you? He was actively being used by the enemy. He was the possession of the enemy to persecute the church, to oppose God's kingdom, to oppose God's plan. And I don't believe for one second that Paul straightened up in order for Jesus to encounter him, did he? He was actively living in the sin that opposed God. And Jesus showed up and changed everything. So whoever the enemy is using around you, there's hope because there's still breath in their lungs. And God sent his only son to die for them, to take away their very sin that they're exercising and flaunting in front of you. But you just keep loving them. And so the response this morning 
Number one, first and foremost, if you've never placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and you're searching for hope, you're searching for questions or answers, you're searching for this void to be filled outside of God's standards. If you're compromising God's standard in an attempt to be filled, I love you enough to tell you, listen to me today, you will not find it. You may be like Eve, and it may look good for a little while. It may fill your flesh, but I can guarantee you, Eve had to constantly go back and forth to that tree because the very thing that filled her one time did not last. So today, I invite you to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, I love you enough that I've prayed all week I've prayed that the Holy Spirit of God offends you. Because if he offends your flesh, that means he loves you enough to make you sensitive to his truth. And so some of you may listen to a message like today and say, well, I'm not coming back. It offends me. I'm not going back. That little guy telling me I'm right and I'm wrong and this and that. I love you enough to tell you the truth. What you're looking for, you ain't gonna find apart from the standard that God has put in place because he loves you. And so I invite you today to repent and believe, but here's the, the last thing that we'll close with. There's no doubt in my mind that in the world of our chaos and confusion, there's been some questions introduced to you over the last forever how long? And maybe you've been digging, you've been trying to find and make sense of it. And maybe you have veered outside of the standard by which God has said, you've made exceptions. Can I tell you that God loves you enough to make that clear today that there are no exceptions? And maybe as a child of God, you just simply need to fall on your face and say, God, I'm sorry. I looked for anything anywhere else other than you. And God, today, I don't like your law. I don't like the truth, but I trust how much you love me and I'm willing to submit to it no matter how hard it is. So this morning for the church, for the child of God. Maybe you just need to repent today and say, God, I'm sorry I compromised. But God, you're gonna have to help me with this temptation. God, you're gonna have to help me with this struggle. God, I know you placed it in me because you love me. And God, I want you to remove it. And even if you don't, God, Help me understand my weakness is what displays your strength. So God, help me overcome. Help me fight. Because God, in my flesh, I know what's good. I know what looks good. I know what feels good. I know what tastes good. God, the very thing that tastes good to my flesh is destructive 
in my relationship with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.